This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. All to Jesus I surrender. Suppose you were to get a telephone call from the President of the United States, and he were to say something like this to you. You know, I want to do the very best job I can as president of this country. And I need your help. I, I need you to tell me what you really think is at least one thing that I need to be focusing on as president. How would you answer him? He said, well, I'll tell him to focus on the drug problem we have in this country. Another might say, well, I'd tell him to do something about the deficit. Some, someone else may say, I, I would encourage the president to try to, to, to encourage men to find a, a cure for cancer. Well, there are all kinds of things out there. But I'm convinced the greatest need we have is to be dedicated to Christ. Today I want to speak to you on the theme, all to Jesus, I Surrender. Now, on getting to know your Bible, we offer free Bible correspondence course. And what we would like to do right now is pause long enough for you to learn something about the course itself and how you can study the course in the privacy of your home. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non denominational, it's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. When I think of someone who was committed to Christ, I think of the Apostle Paul. In 2 Timothy 1 and 12, he said, For the which cause also I suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know in whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul committed his soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. A life of commitment is the greatest need of every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of this earth to surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is so vital that we get our lives moving in the right direction in life. Paul wrote in Galatians 2 and 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, gave Himself for me. Paul was committed. We need to be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians 1 and 21, Paul wrote, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How would you write that passage? 
For me to live is. What would you put in the blank? For to me to live is. For you to live, is that to make money? For you to live, is it to have fun? For you to live is to, to just live as you please? Paul said, for me to live is Christ. His life was focused around and centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that being the case, what does that mean? What does it really mean when I say that I'm committed to Christ? Well, first of all, that, that suggests that I have my priorities right. That, that Jesus is number one in my life. You know, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. One man who worked with businesses and various corporations would go into those businesses and corporations when their, when their business was lagging or their production may have been down, and he would do an analysis and come back and make recommendations. And he said in the years that he had been doing that, he had learned two things that's very difficult for people to do. And they were these. Number one, it's difficult for people to think. Just think. Number two, he said it's hard for people to do things in the order of their importance. When you're committed to Christ, you have your priorities in the right order. He is number one. He is first in your life. Several years ago, I went with a group of preachers to Texas to attend a lectureship. And while there, I heard one man uh, talking about his priorities. And, and his lesson went something like this. Now, God is a priority in my life. And he said... Uh, the church is a priority in my life, and preaching is a priority in my life, and my family is a priority in my life. And as I recall, there was another one, but I don't remember the fifth one. And I think I know what he meant, but those are things that were valuable to him. He, they, they were, uh, those were things that were important in his life. But you see, when you really get down to it, Jesus is number one. And there aren't any other numbers. Everything about my life ought to revolve around Jesus Christ because He's first in my life. So sometimes people try to compartmentalize their lives. They'll have their social life in one compartment. And they'll have their family life in another compartment. And they'll have their work life or their business life in another compartment. And then their spiritual life in another compartment. And they don't allow any of those compartments to overlap one with the other. But I'd suggest to you that when Jesus Christ is number one in your life, that He is involved in every phase and every facet of your life. He's involved in your business life. He's involved in your home life. He's involved in your recreational life. He's involved in your home life, in your church life. Because Jesus is number one. And, and we need to focus our lives upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we can do a lot of things in this world. And we, we think we're doing the right thing. But if we're not careful, we will miss the purpose of going through this old world. I read a story once about these two captains, and they were, 
They were going down the Mississippi with their steamboats. And one of the captains was carrying a load of ham to New Orleans. Well, the steamboats got in a race. And the man carrying the hams told the, told, told the crew, says, throw the fuel on. And, and they said, we're almost out of fuel. He said, we can't stop. We can't stop. He said, start throwing the hams in the fire, in the furnace. And they did. And they won. They got to New Orleans ahead of the other boat. But guess what? When they got there, they didn't have any hams to deliver. They won the race, but they forgot the purpose of the trip. Let's never forget the purpose of this trip. The purpose of our trip in this old world is to serve our Lord and to go to heaven one day. When you're committed to Christ, He's number one in your life. To be committed to Christ means that, that you're not going to allow anyone or anything to come between you and your worship of and your work for the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to him in Luke 14, 33, where Jesus is addressing the subject of discipleship and the cost of discipleship. Jesus said, Whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has cannot be my disciple. That just simply means I cannot allow anything or anyone to interfere with my serving Jesus. Sometimes we let the smallest thing interfere. We, we let the most insignificant things interfere with our serving Him, but not when you're committed to Him. Now, when you're really committed to Jesus, folks, you try to do your best for Him. And... I'll be honest with you, I feel uncomfortable talking about this, and for this reason, I think the Lord is worthy of better service than I can render. That the Lord is worthy of, of better sermons than Billy can preach. But we need to strive to do our very best. I'm sure there's some women watching right now. And, and ladies, let me, let me say, tell you this. One of the greatest compliments ever paid a woman is found in the Bible. And Jesus is the one who gave the compliment. And it's found in your Bible in Mark chapter 14 in verse 8. And this is what Jesus said. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for the burial. She's done what she could. You know, when you do what you can, it's difficult to do any more than that. So when I preach a sermon, I need to do my best. When we pray a prayer, we ought to do our best. We ought to do the very best that we can. I believe God desires excellence. You know, the Old Testament says this of God, holy and excellent is His name. And the one whose name is excellence deserves excellence in our living. Do your best. But a fourth thing I think is suggested when we say we're committed to Christ is that He's the Lord of my life. He's the Lord of my life. And there He is Lord, isn't He? In the fourth chapter of Ephesians, Paul wrote, There is one Lord. 
There is one Lord. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 36, Peter said that he is Lord over all. A number of years ago in Mobile, Alabama, where I was living at the time, out beside Interstate 65 that goes around the city, someone had erected a great, nice billboard that read, Jesus is Lord of Mobile. And I applauded them for that. But the fact is, Jesus is Lord of the universe. Jesus is Lord over all. In Romans 14, Paul said, He's the Lord of the living. He's the Lord of the dead. And there's a day coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Jesus Christ is Lord whether you believe it or not. Jesus Christ is Lord whether you confess Him or not. Jesus is Lord over all. It was the day of Pentecost. And Peter had been preaching to people who had cried out for the blood of Jesus. And in the 36th verse of that chapter, he said, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. He said, Therefore, God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified. He is Lord. He is the Savior. He is the Lord over all. He is Lord. But is He your Lord? Is He in control? No, not, He's not Lord like we're robots where He's got strings attached to us. You know, in Luke 6, in verse 46, Jesus asked this question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not the things that I say. So in what sense can Jesus be my, my Lord? He is my Lord. He is in control of Billy when I'm doing what he says. You see, the Lordship of Christ and obeying Jesus are linked together. Where there's no obedience to Jesus, there can be no Lordship. Why do you call me, Lord? You don't do what I tell you to do. In Matthew 7 and 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Again, the Lordship of Christ is linked to obedience to Christ. But is he your Lord? I sort of have a little fascination for bumper stickers. Now, I don't know whether that says something about my personality or just what, but nevertheless, I, I like to read bumper stickers. And I saw one on the bumper of a car in the parking lot church one day. So I said, well, you know, there's a sermon in that bumper sticker, so I'm going to use it, and I did. And I, I said, I saw this sticker, and it said, God is my co-pilot. And I said, you know, I fly some, and I said, I think I understand the role of a co-pilot. 
And I said, maybe I don't, but I, I, my understanding is that the co-pilot is not the pilot. And the co-pilot just takes over in case the pilot can't fly the plane or he's just an assistant to the pilot. I said, I don't want God to be my co-pilot. I want the Lord at the steering wheel of my life all the time, directing me. I need that. He is my Lord. And I would ask you a question. What will that do for you? If Jesus Christ is your Lord, if you've really committed yourself to Christ, what will that do for you? Well, first of all, it will cause you to have an attitude of victory in your life. I don't know how long it's been since you may have read the 8th chapter of Romans, but I'd encourage you to read that entire chapter. It is literally filled with illustrations or verses showing the blessings that we have when, we are, when Jesus Christ is the heart and center of our lives. One of those blessings is verse 28. We know that all things work together for good. To them that love the Lord, to them that are the called according to His purpose. What a blessing we have. You see, that, that brings peace and, and happiness in my life when I'm committed to Him. Another blessing is in verse 31. Think about this one. If the Lord is for us, who can be against us? I think that's a rhetorical question. That is, it answers itself. No one can be against us if the Lord is for us. And think about this one in verse 26. That, and he teaches there in verse 26 that there are times we try to pray. We don't, don't know exactly how to, 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 to phrase ourselves or what to say. Maybe we're, we're under a heavy burden. Maybe we're filled with grief and sorrow. And we try to pray. And those are the kinds of times that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And I would have to, to state that that's what the Holy Spirit does for us, not to us, but for us on our behalf. He intercedes for us. You see, when you have Christ as number one in your life and you're committed to Jesus Christ, there's so many blessings that we have. And when you're committed to Christ, then you have eliminated you have eliminated this idea of half-hearted Christianity. You know, in Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, No man can serve two masters. Well, he'll hate one, he'll love the other, he'll despise one of them, he'll, and, and he'll love the other one. You can't serve two masters. And when we're committed to Christ, we've solved that problem. I read about a fellow who was shot back during the Civil War. It's, it, to me, it sounds like a made-up story, but it's really a, a, a good way to think about this. He didn't want to fight for the North. He didn't want to fight for the South. So what he did instead is he straddled the fence. He wore a northern jacket and he put on a pair of southern pants. And when they found him dead on the field, he had a northern bullet in those southern pants and he had a southern bullet in that northern jacket. 
You can't straddle the fence and serve God. Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. And when you're committed to Christ, hey, you've solved that problem. You've solved that problem. But the question is, are you committed to Christ? Some of you are having problems in your life. And this would be a very unusual viewing audience today if there are not people watching, dealing with some issues. Maybe I, I, I have no idea what it is. I'm not going to say what your problem is because I don't know. But I know people have problems. And I know Jesus is the problem solver. I know Jesus is the healer of our broken hearts. I know Jesus said, Come unto me all ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You've been carrying a burden. Now let me ask you a question. Why do you want to continue to carry that burden when the Lord has promised He'll help you with that burden? Some of you feel guilty. Possibly. Because you realize that, that, that the way you're living now is not the way you were reared. You, you know your mother and your father didn't rear you the way you're living your life right now. And deep down inside, it really bothers you. All your friends don't know it. You don't want your friends to know it because you're hiding it from your friends. But when you go home at night and possibly by yourself, you reflect on all of those things. Let me tell you, there's a way out. Have you ever seen the movie entitled No Way Out? Well, there's a way out with Jesus. Whatever you may be entangled in in life, there's a way out. And Jesus went to the cross to give you a way out. When He went to the cross, He shed His blood for the forgiveness and the remission of your sins. In Matthew 26 and 28, Jesus said, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. And it's the way of the cross that leads home. When we come to the cross, that's where our burdens can be lifted. And, and would you come to the cross today? Will you say, how do you go about doing that, Brother Lambert? I'd encourage you to believe on Jesus with all of your heart. You say, well, why? Well, not because I tell you to, because Jesus said, Except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. Well, is that all? Well, it must not be. Because Jesus said, Except you repent, you will perish in Luke 13, 3, also in verse 5. But, but, but the Bible also teaches that we must confess our faith in Christ. Let me give an example of man doing this. In the 8th chapter of Acts, Philip, an evangelist, was teaching the man from Ethiopia. We call him the Ethiopian eunuch. And they're riding along, and he's preaching Jesus to this man. And so the eunuch said, here's water. What, what hinders me from being baptized? And, and Philip said, well, if you believe, you can. He said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And the Bible says they commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down to the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called Philip away that the eunuch saw him no more, and he, that is the eunuch, went on his way rejoicing because now he had committed his life to Christ. You can do that. You can lead a life of rejoicing, but you give, must give your life to Christ. 
So we need to be committed to a person. But secondly, we need to be committed to a purpose. Why are you living? Why are you living? And I'd suggest to you that the only purpose that we are, for which we are living is to bring honor and glory to our God. Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31 says, Whether you eat or whether you drink, do all to the glory of God. Everything I do should be to honor God. Everything I do ought to be to praise God. Everything I do is to honor and glorify His name. You know, Jesus in Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Every sermon I preach ought to be to glorify God. It's not to glorify me. All I am is just a bag of dirt trying to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to glorify God. Every prayer we pray is to glorify God. Every cup of cold water you give in the name of the Lord to someone who's thirsty ought to be to glorify God. Some of you prepare meals sometimes when there's uh, someone's sick or maybe they've had a death in their family. And everything you do like that ought to be to glorify God. Not to cause people to look at us and talk about what we have done. Jesus said, when, when you let your work light shine, it causes people to focus on God. And our lives ought to be for that same reason, to focus our attention on God. Have you committed your life to Christ? Would you not do it today? I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing moments, may I urge you right now to pick up the telephone call for the free Bible correspondence course. Or if you prefer, you can take it online. And please don't hesitate about doing this. There's no charge. And also, let me give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. If you are not certain where it might be located, if you will call us or notify us in some way, even through email, we'll get that information to you as soon as we possibly can. We want you to visit with us at the Church of Christ in your community. Again, I thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 7-1-1-5-2-1-4. has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible. 
P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.